Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. And help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Let's get into the scripture, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What's this about? What do you want? What are you up to? This is strange. This is weird. So she was skeptical. He tells her what's going to happen to her. She argues the whole, but I'm a virgin thing. He starts talking about the fact that this is going to happen due to a miracle that is going to take place. And then he says, and your older cousin Elizabeth, who by the way, the Bible talks about her being way, way up in years, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable. (laughs) Don't you love that? Don't you love it when somebody tells you that you're unable to do something? I don't like it when anybody tells, I, I take that on as a challenge. Hooper, you're 60, you're unable. Really? Yeah, I'll see you on the golf course. Come on. I don't like that. You're unable to conceive, they said about her. She's in her sixth month, proving them all wrong. No word from God will ever fail. Everybody say that with me. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answer. May your words to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. And everybody read the rest. Nothing is too hard for you. Luke chapter 18, verse 27, he replied, everybody, what is impossible for people is possible with God. Uh, Today's message, my family needs a miracle. Would y'all just say that with me? My family needs a miracle. Now let's personalize it. I need a miracle. One more time. I need a miracle. Side screen, a miracle is when God makes something happen that couldn't happen, that shouldn't happen, and wouldn't happen unless he makes it happen. A miracle. A miracle is when God makes something happen that couldn't happen, that shouldn't happen and wouldn't happen unless he made it happen. It is an unexplainable anomaly that is orchestrated by the eternal to accomplish his agenda with you, for you, and in you. And make no mistake about it, in this life, the longer that you live, you are going to run into seasons where you hit a wall because of your own limitations. And it is during these seasons when you will need another 
miracle. Father God, we love you so very much. And thank you so much for everything that has happened in this room today. We have worshiped you. We have come with a grateful heart. We have thanked you so, so many blessings in our lives. Young families have gathered here with friends, with relatives, with grandparents, with parents. And, and Father, they have thanked you for giving them children into their life. You have been so good to us. But Father, as I look out over this room, I am mindful. No, Father, I know for a fact that every family in this room needs a miracle. There are people sitting here right now, men, that are stressed over something to where if you, just your divine intervention would change everything for the life of men sitting in this room. Your divine intervention would change everything in the heart of that mom that is so concerned. In the life of that woman, Father, who desires to be more of what you want her to be and to be blessed to a greater way. There are families in this room, Father, who have tried. We have done our best. We have not been lazy about it. We have, we have done everything we know how to do to fix certain situations that are still unfixed. And there's been hopelessness and despair kick in because we have had these thoughts of maybe they won't be, maybe they can't be. And you have said that with people, things are impossible, but there is nothing impossible with you. So Father, this morning inside this room, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking for miracles. I'm asking for more miracles in the lives of the people in this room. And I ask it now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I always love it when we do a family live series here at the church. I love it when I hear that Tim and Rebecca are going to be doing, you know, their, 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 their series for people on, you know, couples on the weekend. That's always fun and exciting. But anytime I know that our topic, our focus as a church family is going to be that of family life, man, I'm excited about that. I have been a lifetime member of the National Association of Marriage and Family Counselors since I was 30 years of age. And for many, many years, I helped people in a counseling setting uh, through biblical guidance and counseling when they would come to me back, back in the, my 20s and in my 30s, helping families, helping marriages. And I think that I have heard almost, almost now, I still get shocked every once in a while, but almost I have heard every problem that families deal with. And they are complex and they are difficult. But it also caused me at a very young age to set my priorities in order. And in case you haven't heard them for a while, my priorities, my top four are these. God first. It is me and God first and foremost, and no one else on this planet is involved in that. It is my heavenly Father and me, because I realize my limitations, and I realize I cannot be a good husband, a good father, a good man in general, a good friend, certainly a good pastor, without this relationship with my heavenly Father, that I can go to him, and he will help me. He will give me wisdom, and he will give me understanding, and he will give me favor with the right people, and he will allow me to do things that I could could never do on my own. So my life, my priority, my top relationship, there is nothing and no one more important in my life than my heavenly father, that I have a relationship through 
by Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I mean, he is first and foremost. And then the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who gives, who gives wisdom, who protects, who counsels, who comforts. I mean, all of the Godhead tied up in the three and one. Oh man, that is my number one priority. Now, number two, my family, family life. The one that's going to stay there with you. The one that's going to grow old with you. The one that's not going away when you act all crazy. Family, your family, your relationships with your wife and your kids and your grandkids. I mean, that is the second priority in my life. And I have said this for years and I'll say it again today. The most important member of our church is my wife, Anna. She takes priority over everybody else. And if I ever felt like many, what many other pastors have felt like, that doing ministry harmed my marriage, see ya, I'd sell real estate. Because I would never do anything, including pastoring this church, that would hurt my relationship with my wife. She is first and foremost, and when she calls, I jump. Really? Yeah. If I have a lunch date with you and Anna is to text me when I'm on my way to meet you and her text says, honey, I'm running errands. Do you have anything planned for lunch? Here's my response. I'm having lunch wherever you're having lunch when you tell me to go there and to have lunch. And whoever I had on the schedule, I will drop you, kick you to the curb like a hitchhiker with bad breath. And we'll reschedule. This is so funny. This, is, this happens all the time. And I didn't know that my staff or people around here were making fun of me about this. And I appreciate it if you get on them a little bit. But I found out that uh, Tim, Pastor Tim, uh, for many, many years, I have uh, uh, scheduled him for lunch. Hey, hey, what are you doing for lunch today? Well, I had some schedule, but you know, if you want to go to lunch, you know, I'll, I'll move them around. Okay, okay, move them around. Let's have lunch. And now he knows to keep them on the schedule as a backup because any time between then and the time that I want to take Tim to lunch, any time that we're going to meet, if Anna texts me, Tim's out, Anna's in. And I've done this to him. Listen, he tells stories about it. I have done this to him a number of times over the years. I have bumped him. I have bumped other people out simply because Anna goes, honey, do you have plans today? Well, she knows. I always have plans every day. But she can interrupt those plans with a text anytime she wants to. Because my biggest job on this planet is to let her know that she is my biggest priority on this planet. Because when everybody else makes decisions to do or go or be transferred or move or, or like this or don't like that or be fickle about this or fickle about that, I still go home to a wife who treats me as if she were my cheerleader and, 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 and receives me at the door and loves me and prayed for me before I came here today. Family's first. Work's third. Yeah, work. And you know why work's third and why it's so important is because it provides an income stream for my family. My work would mean nothing to me if it did not provide for my family. Well, I'm all into this. That's fine. Does it pay you? Well, you know, they gave me a title. Does it pay you? They gave me a good office. I got an office with a window. That's wonderful. Do they pay you? 
Because the only reason you go to work is to provide for your family. Oh, you can have a ministry at work, but that workplace still better be one of the income streams that's coming into your home to provide for your second priority, which is your family. My friends are fourth. My friends. Now, I see a lot of people get this messed up. They come right out of high school and their friends are still important to them and they still make decisions based on what their friends want to do. I dropped all of my friends like a hot potato when I married Anna. And if they can't fit in around that relationship and watch that, whatever season me and her are going into our life, they're not in my life. So, friend, and then after that, everything else comes after God, family, work, friends, and then everything else. Family life. It's incredibly rewarding. It's also gut-wrenching. There are times in your family life that you feel like your heart is being ripped right out of your chest cavity. Family life, challenging, isn't it? The most challenging thing that you will ever do on this earth is to involve yourself and to be a part of a family. Church is a family, made up of families. So isn't that a mess? (laughs) Families making up a family when it is one of the most complex issues and challenges that you will ever face in your life. Let's start with single adults just for a minute. I'm just playing today. I'm just playing. We'll get get to the meat of the message next week. But how many of you are single adults? Would you raise your hand? Please just hold your hand up real high, real high. Be proud. Be proud. If there's not, if you hadn't put a ring on that finger, raise that hand up right there. If he's sitting there, raise the hand up that should have a ring on it right now. (laughs) Incredibly difficult to be an adult single, a Christian adult single in this lifetime. I mean, in this culture that you and I live in, to be a single adult, oh man, I pray for you. Now, you may have the grace to be single right now, and that's wonderful because God does give you the grace to be single, but you also may have a desire in your heart to someday be in a marriage relationship that is just incredible. And you know as a single adult, because you've seen it in so many other people, that who you marry is the most human decision that you will ever make in your life. It is the most important human decision you'll ever make in your life. After accepting Christ, your personal Savior, who you're going to spend your life with will determine how your life goes. So it is incredibly important that you make the right decision. And if you are looking for the right person, you have options in our culture. You've got Match.com. You've got eHarmony. You've got Christian Mingle. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. That's good. No, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to ChristianMingo.com now just to see what it is. That's awesome. And farmersonly.com. Here's a new one. I pulled up the top 15 websites, dating websites for today. Here's here's a new one. Let me see if I can find it real quick. It, it is oh, where is it there? Plentyoffish.com. Or here's this one. I mean, you see someone that you might be interested in and might want to get to know a little bit better. Now wait for it. You walk over to them and you say hello. 
I mean, come on. Right? Brand new revelation. So I would like to throw my hat back into the ring. And I'm going to make this announcement official. As we start the My Family series, because of my love, my deep love and respect for all of the single adults living in Grand Junction in the culture in which we live today, even though this skill and this service has been highly criticized in the past. And I want to ask that all of you don't stand up and applaud at one time because that would be an embarrassment to me. But I am going to once again bring out of retirement the skill and ability of my matchmaker services to the people of Fellowship Church. I'm there for you. If you're a single adult, I'm about to get all up in your business. You'll love it, it'll be fun, we'll enjoy it, it'll be good. And then there are those in the room that are single again. You know what it's like to have picked wrong. You know what it's like to have been betrayed, to have had your heart broken. You know what it's like to go through life thinking you can trust somebody who said you can trust them and you couldn't. Thinking somebody would be kind and they weren't. Thinking somebody would build you up in a relationship but they tore you down until the self-esteem, the woman you once were, the man who used to walk out of your house doesn't exist anymore. And it is a miracle of God that you have a little crack open to the possibility of a relationship like you've always dreamed was possible. It is a miracle of God that you're not closed off forever, that you haven't put a wall up in front of your heart that nobody can get through. But if there's just a little crack, then and it's because the Holy Spirit is working on you, letting you know that your past is in the past. And I don't deal with anybody's past. I don't care about it. What I care about is where you are right now and the decisions you're making today and where you're gonna go from here. And I believe for every single adult in our church that God has a plan for your life that is gonna be awesome. That you can still have that dream that you had when you were a child. That you can still bring those, those, uh, uh, those things back up on the table that you hoped that you would have a marriage where that person would pray for you and that they would love you and that they would build you up. And no, they're not perfect and no, you aren't either, but they're gonna work through all of these imperfections and to build a family and move it forward one where you can grow old together and say that, that is how I wanted to do my life. Now there are challenges in a couple coming together, a man, a woman, and this is why marriages can be so complex and so difficult and feel like you are gonna lose your mind from time to time. You have an imperfect man who says he loves an imperfect woman. You do not see how imperfect each other is until you get into the marriage because all of us are cooler online. But once you get into the house and you realize and see everything that is going on and you see the real temperament of how God made that woman and the real temperament of how God made that man that will never change in your lifetime,
and you finally decide, I'm going to stop trying to fix them. And I'm going to learn to live with them as the person that God created them to be. And it is difficult and it is challenging. Woo! This is a match made in heaven. We never argue. We never fight. He's the We've never had an argument. You, you need to, you need to apologize for lying. And then there's that stage of you trying to raise kids. And in your 20s and 30s, you get a little group of them. You form your own band. <laughs> you get your soccer mom van that you drive around in. And you become a, <laughs> you become a taxi cab service driver for a certain season of your life. And you're passing them off. Who's picking them up? Who's taking them? Who's taking them there? Who's picking them up? Who's got 46, 40? Tuesday night, I got to get them there. Wednesday night, I got to get them there. Got to get, then you got this and you got that. And life is a blur. And then they start getting older, turn into teenagers. And you thought they had opinions when they were eight, nine, and 10. <laughs> you ain't heard opinions till they're 16, 17, and 18. Because they think they can parent them better than you could ever parent them. I'm talking in general, not any of the fellowship church teenagers. <laughs> and then you hit that season of empty nest and they pack bags <laughs> and they start moving out and they're going to college or they're in a dorm or they're, or they're getting an apartment with two or three other friends because they can't afford one on their side or they get married. And all of a sudden, all. <laughs> All this stuff that was in their bedroom that looked like a shrine to their achievements gets packed away. And now you're looking in an empty room and no bed because they took the furniture because they're too broke to buy their own. <laughs> and now you walk down the hallway to a room that used to be noisy with music playing and it's empty, and you stand there for a moment with a tear running down your face, thinking to yourself, would the treadmill look better here or here? <laughs> It'll take you a minute. Then you grow older, stuff starts hurting. You think, how did I get, how did I get here? You look in the mirror, you still think 25, now you're seeing 55. And somebody gets older, somebody gets sick. Now we need to change houses because it doesn't fit our season of life anymore. You ever notice that the bigger houses are always taken up by the empty nesters? <laughs> And the young couples that need the bigger houses with all the bedrooms in the land, right, are always bought by the older people that had the money. And shouldn't that just be switched around? Well, as soon as they get older, you know, we want now simpler, smaller, easier to take care of. So there's moves and changes. And that which we work so hard to build, we start giving it away. Here you go, here you go, here you go. And we get it down to where it's just us. What's that lifestyle going to look like?
Now we're dealing with somebody maybe being sick, getting older. And then in this room, there are widows and widowers. And you never thought you would ever have to navigate through any time in your life by being a person who had it all. And now is walking alone again. Hmm. Heart-wrenching. And then throw on top of that blended families. And now, even though you couldn't live with him, you didn't want somebody else raising your child, but now somebody else is influencing the very children that you tried to influence all the time that you had them. And now there's shared visitation and there's all these kind of things going on. Is the word complex getting in there enough? But I love it. I love helping people with it. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that in your family, you will need miracles along the way. So can I tell you very quickly a prerequisite for your next miracle? Let me ask you a question. How many of you need another miracle? Would you raise your hand? All right, here we go. Your next miracle is coming, listen to me now, based on the text and this story, following, here we go, a failure. You see it in the text. Miracles follow failures. In this story, humanity had a sin problem that it couldn't fix. A priest couldn't fix it. Sacrifices couldn't fix it. You see, there is no, watch this. Number one, there is no need for a miracle where there is no problem. And number two, there is no need for a miracle where there is a problem you can fix. So if you have a problem, brother and sister, that you have worked on, that you cannot fix, get ready for this, you qualify for your next miracle. So maybe we need to look at failure differently. Maybe failure is not a sign of inadequacy. Maybe failure is sometimes a revelation of our human limitation. And human limitations are not evil. They are, de -mar uh, uh, they are marks and they are a line drawn between who you are and who God is. So therefore, a failure in some area of your life might be a sign that you need to engage with the one who is limitless when it comes to his help, which is what he wanted you to do all along. Maybe the reason why there's something going on in your world or in your family that you cannot fix even though you have tried is because he wanted you to engage his help when it came to that issue. Have you ever known of anybody, now don't raise your hand because a lot of people may have brought that person with them to church today, but do you know of anybody in your family or in your life, do not raise your hand, who are terrible when it comes to making a good decision? They seem to make one bad decision after another. When I was you know, using my uh, uh, skills as a matchmaker in the past, 
women would come up to me in the lobby and they would say, Pastor, I give you permission to introduce me to somebody, anybody, because I am terrible. I am, I am a loser magnet. They flock to me and I listen to them and they waste time. And, and, and people say, I make terrible decisions. And there are many times when people in our life make, they just gotta have help in an area where they are blind, where they're hitting a wall. And maybe that wall that you've hit is indication that you're supposed to take that thing to your loving, to your limitless, and to your all-powerful father to fix it for you, to get his help. Maybe that child can turn around. You just need some help. Maybe your finances can be blessed and awesome. You just need some help. Maybe, maybe the marriage can be wonderful. You just need some help with it. Maybe the business can finally get itself on the map to, be, to sustain itself and be wonderful. Maybe you just need some help. Maybe God is continually letting you hit that wall over and over again with your stubborn head until you finally say, I can't do this on my own. I need help. Anybody in here have a hard time asking for help? Come on, would you, would you get real with me? Boy, I do. I, I feel like if somebody else can do it, I can do it. I don't need anybody else's help. I just take, I can do it. If I can't do it, I did, it doesn't need it. But, but listen, God created you and I to be limited. We need some help. And in every area of our family life, listen, please, child of God, there are going to be failures. But that failure is a setup for a miracle because you can't have a miracle without a failure. And you won't get a miracle until you ask for help. That leads to the second thought right here in the text is also favor. Notice that, that the angel told Mary, said, you are highly favored. Now in the New Testament, the word for this is grace. But watch how it ties in. Favor, preferential treatment that you don't deserve. Grace, unmerited, unearned favor, preferential treatment that you don't deserve. Notice that. You don't earn a miracle. There's no explanation given to why Mary was picked. She was just picked. The angel didn't say, oh, righteous Mary. The angel didn't say, oh, perfect Mary. The, Mary, the angel said, Mary, you're picked. You're chosen. Preferential treatment that you don't deserve. It's always an instrument of providence. Preferential treatment that you don't deserve is given to you so that God can get you to where he wants you to be and have what you need to have in order to do what he wants you to do. That's why you have it. You don't get it for selfish reasons. You get it as a providential instrument. And God's favor for you is for you. And it never comes at the expense of anybody else's favor. If you ever see somebody else manifesting in the favor of God, never think for a moment, well, since they're being so blessed that that means I'm not going to be. Listen, God's favor is for them and rejoice and be glad in it. And God's favor is for you. And his resources are never exhausted because you see other family members getting what you wanted for so long. God's favor is for you. And since favor is an instrument of divine providence, you're only going to have favor with the people that are critical when it comes to your assignment. You're not going to have favor with everybody. You're not going to have favor with everybody you want to have favor with. 
You're only going to have favor in this season with the people that God wants to use in this season that are critical for you being able to do and go and be what God wants you to be. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to like you in the future, but they may not like you now. Why? Because you don't need them to like you now. They're not part of it. They're not part of this plan. Favor. Preferential treatment. And that's why his favor on your life should never lead to arrogance, but always to humility. I'm picked. I, I don't know why I'm picked. I'm just picked. I don't know why I got the job and why you didn't get the job. You may be able to do the job better than me. I, I don't understand that, but I was picked. I, I, I was just picked. And when you understand favor, you never try to explain to people why you deserve to be where you are. Well, why are you so blessed? Why are you living in the house you're living in? Why are you driving the car you're driving? I don't know. I just picked. My supervisor decided all that. If you got a problem with anything that you see me having, you need to go talk to my supervisor because I didn't bless myself. My supervisor blessed me. So if you got a problem with me, talk to him. If it takes you being miserable to make somebody else happy, you really need to assess whether or not they meet the biblical criteria of being in your life. I said that with a smile. You're already picked. That's what he said. You're his child. You can't be more picked than that. Home forever in heaven. You're picked. You could have missed all this. You could have been one that make, doesn't make church even a priority or a thought on a Sunday morning. But you're picked. Do you have something you can't fix? I'm serious now. Get real with me. Next week, I'm going to tell you why some issues in your life last 18 years, 36 years, 12 years. I'm going to show you out of the Bible how that's perfectly normal, that you're doing good, and then all of a sudden you dip back into something that you thought was you were rescued from in the past. And that still doesn't mean you're not picked and the next miracle is not coming. But I want to ask if you would please to stand with me. For the, I got a couple of minutes. Every married couple in here under 30 years of age, come to the front. Married couples under 30 years of age, come to the front. I'm going to have to go higher. 35 years of age, come on down. Seriously, 40. If you're under 40 and you're a married couple, come on down. You guys lying to me? Or are you like sitting back here? Wow. Come on down closer. Come on. I'm just pulling them down, but I'm talking to the whole room. Because when I pull this group down, I'm pulling down an exhausted group.
a tired group. If I ask you to explain your life to me, honestly, my eyes would glaze over because of the blur you're living in. Is there anything in your life you can't fix? Anything? I mean, it's hard to admit that, isn't it? First of all, it makes me bad to admit it. I'm smarter than that. I'm stronger than that. I can do this. So I can't do some things I cannot do. You are limited. Limited. And one miracle takes your marriage to a whole nother level. One fix into your mind, your thinking, your thought processes. Takes your family life to a whole nother level of blessing and success. One. You need to exhaust your efforts. Waste of time. And 10 years down the road, you'll be going, yeah, I, I could have had God fix that 10 years ago, but he kept letting me try when he knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. Have you had any failures? Men, have you? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look at that. And you go back to it again. You know why? You can't do it on your own. Marriage is not what you want it to be. You can't do that on your own. You need his help. You need his help. And his whole relationship with you is to do the things for you, child, that you cannot do yourself. You see that in your own kids. Can you see that in you as God's kid? <laughs> Father, help. Help. We need a miracle, another one. And I'm asking you on behalf of everyone in this room whose hearts you have heard share what it is they so desperately need. There are women here who are unable to have babies and they want one so bad. I'm just calling some out. Holy Spirit, help me call them out. I pray for a miracle in the lives of those women. You give them the desire of their heart and they would, they would bear a child. They would bear a child in 2020. There are men in here who need another income stream or a better one, and I pray, I'm calling it out, financial blessings on the life of everyone in this room. There are physical illnesses. I'm calling out a miracle for healing. There are people whose hearts are broken, people who are widows or widowers, and they don't want to go through the rest of their life with nobody to have dinner with. I'm calling that out for the right companionship, friendship. There's women in here who's had their hearts broken and men who's had their hearts crushed. They don't trust easily anymore. But they do not want to live bitter and alone. 
I'm calling out a miracle in their life. Blow our minds with them. We believe in them. We need them. And I'm asking this to you in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the way maker, <laughs> the miracle giver. I'm asking favor, preferential treatment on your children right here who we know we don't deserve because we're asking you, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all are love. See you. Have a good lunch. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.